The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, it's Kevin in Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. Checked in with Steven this week. In a week, that's, there's not much news, so we kind of check in on the progress of things. DC is trying to get their books out somehow while Marvel is staying put. Todd McFarlane has made about $2 million on a Kickstarter for a Spawn action figure. And we discuss where Steven is on Star Trek The Next Generation, which I think will be an ongoing concern for us both. So, let's just talk to him. Yeah, with no end in sight. No end in sight. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, partially this is my dream. Um, yeah, par- partially I, I, I want everyone else out of my house. <laughs> Yeah, I could stay in here forever. I think I was, uh, I may have told the story before, but in the nineties when I was writing, uh, as a job and I was making like 300 bucks a month, but that's all I needed to live on. I would leave the house once a week on Wednesdays and Joe Franzum and I would go to, uh, Silver Edge comics. We'd get our books. I'd have lunch with him. We'd look in Toys R Us. Then he'd go home and then I wouldn't see anyone else for a week. And it yeah. was the happiest time in my life. <laughs> I had a two-bedroom apartment. I had a roommate that worked opposite hours. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, now I've got extroverts in my house who are making things uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We said earlier uh, that I think it's this is going to be the test of extroverts versus introverts and who's going to kind of do better. And well, the introverts set up for success no no i think the introverts are going to do better but any introvert that lives with an extrovert will be strangled <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so we're so i'll let you know when the show stops <laughs> right right yeah um that you said you're uh right before we started recording you said your parents showed up and it was like a bank robbery yeah yeah uh so they came up i uh my uh, my brother is about to have his first kid uh, very soon. Uh, they're probably, I think it's like June or July or something like this. I'm a terrible uh, uncle to be. But uh, I had made for my mom a sign that was originally going to go on the, um, like a diaper cake they were making for the okay. shower that isn't happening anymore. But my mom wanted to still get the sign because she's still going to give them the cake when she gives them all like the presents and stuff. So her and my dad came up here to pick up the sign and then we were just going to sit. Everyone's wearing like masks in my living room and it looked like we were planning like a heist, like a bank robbery because <laughs> <laughs> we're all sitting around with like masks on in my living room. Yeah, but it would, but that, you know, that doesn't even make sense because they don't wear masks when they plan the heist. Oh, it's not yeah, like you're hiding your imagine. identity from one another. Well, it depends on what kind of bank robbery it is, you know. Let me like, get was, maybe was it's there, like a Craigslist situation. Yeah, was there a was there a bald guy that looked like a kingpin in the middle of it going, "You're Mr. Blonde, you're Mr. Blue, you're Mr. 
<laughs> you're Mr. You're Mr. Brown. We're all arguing over who gets to be Mr. Brown. Yeah, about Lawrence Turney was that guy's name was the guy, that guy, actor, and apparently he was nuts. Like he he looked he, a little nuts. He did a uh, did a Star Trek Next Generation. You're you're gonna come up to him very soon, actually. I, I actually think I did. If it's the holodeck episode, I've seen it. It is. How far are you, and by the way? Based, uh, pretty far. <laughs> Okay. Oh, we'll get to that because that's a whole topic. He, but apparently he did a Seinfeld. He played Elaine's dad in a Seinfeld, and they said he just okay. walked. They said he walked around and stole a knife. What? Yeah, they said he just walked around the set like, with a knife. Yeah. Oh, he was on set with a knife. Yeah, and I think he had a. He may have had a gun, like Frank on Always Sunny. But they Jeez. said he scared the hell out of them. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. He's one of those. Every I now and then, those I guys are that like episode that episode of Seinfeld. I think so because the guy was so familiar, and picturing him as Elaine's dad just fits. Yeah, and he was well. He was in Reservoir Dogs, which is the first reference. He's the guy that plans right. The um. So he's Curse Penn's dad because he's you know he stops pointing that gun at my dad, and then that's the end of that movie. Yeah. Uh, so in the news, we'll get to your Star Trek. I feel like we need to do that every week. Uh, yeah, yeah, happy to. As long as I'm sticking with it, might as well. Yeah. Um, in the news, there's not that much. I mean, there's a big fight about distribution. Um, DC has said they are moving forward. They're going to start sending new comics to Comixology. Uh, this week, the 28th, will be the first week they resume publishing. They said they're going to use alternate publishers, but so many stores are still shut down, and Marvel is not publishing. Um, some of the indies are, but apparently that's been really controversial that they've been trying to get up and running. Yeah, so what's the controversy exactly? I wasn't really following it. I heard uh, nothing specific, but I heard that there was um issues about it i mean this is good right i mean people should want dc to continue putting out content whether it's digital or print well yes and no i think there there's a lot of people that think it isn't fair depending on where they sit with the competition like marvel's like wait a minute we didn't we all say we were gonna not do this for a while now dc's gonna have product on the shelf and we have nothing um diamond Mm -hmm. Diamond is freaking out because it's becoming very clear, oh, we don't have to deal with Diamond. Diamond's been a monopoly since the late 90s. The crash in the late 90s wiped out all of the other distributors. And right. for, for a while, it was um, Diamond was a DC exclusive distributor. And Marvel was like Heroes World. And then like Marvel bought Heroes World and they bought Tops and then – Everybody went under, but Diamond. Fucking industry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And this is before you open the shop. Diamond became the one shop in town. When I was publishing comics um, that nobody ever read, I always tell the joke that my first issue sold twenty five thousand copies, and no one knows who I am uh, because it was that big in the nineties. But I used to do the solicitations, and I had contacts with six different distributors. There was a distributor called Comics Hawaii, which just did Hawaii. And we would send them like 20 books. Uh, and the, yeah. that all collapsed into Diamond. So now we're getting to that state again of like, oh, Diamond won't ship our books? Well, maybe this other company will ship our books. The other thing is there's so many stores with their doors closed that are like, okay, I'm going to reopen and I'm going to be missing the last couple issues of Batman. My customers are going to come in going like, 
hey, you're behind. My collection's behind, and they're going to go, I don't know what to tell you because um, – yeah. Because Diamond does isn't getting those books, so there's a lot in the big picture. Yes, it's good that um, people are putting out product again. I was just watching uh, Todd McFarlane, which man, I have such a love hate listening to him talk. Uh, but he made oh, a, I, I've all- <laughs> he would he did an interview with uh, Up at Noon on IGN, which actually Mike Drucker used to write for, and uh, who's now Samantha B. He's been on the show plenty of times. But he did an interview with them about his Spawn Kickstarter, which now was $2 million. And he did a YouTube yeah. video where he showed the prototype, and the goddamn thing has Marvel Legends articulation, and I think I'm going to have to fucking buy it, uh, which <laughs> makes me unhappy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but... So I was watching it for that, but he he had two good points about the quarantine because they just did it this week. And he said, he said the benefit that comics have over other types of media is we're an industry that's already quarantined. It's already a writer sits in his house, sends a script to an artist who sits in his house, who sends it to the colorist right. who sits in his house. He's like, we have the advantage to put out new content where TV and movies can't now, which uh, as much as you might dislike him, he's right. And the other thing is I understand yeah. us all sitting tight because, but eventually, we we're not we can't kill our own industry because we're just waiting around to put out product. If we can put out product, we need to figure out a way to get the product out. And I'm like, yeah, again, you're right. And again, I didn't like that yeah. you put you put a figure on Kickstarter that you should have just taken pre-orders for, but then you made two million dollars. Yeah, and then I, I mean, every, I don't like the guy, but he's a good businessman. He knows what he's doing. And every time I pick up a spawn. And I read a story from like 10 years ago that I didn't read. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And man, I like that splash page. Just every, yeah, <laughs> he's not, he's a bet. He's a toxic relationship. He's not good for me. No, he's not good for anybody. No, he's not good for anybody. I don't know how good he is for his family. Uh, but he, uh, but he keeps putting out product that makes you go, well, oh, all right. He's, he's, he's making McDonald's. You know, there's yeah, times where he's McDonald's. He's McDonald's, and either you're uh, either you're a kid or you're drunk, and then and you go, ah, right. I want McDonald's, and you know you shouldn't have it, and you know it will be bad later, but you're like, but I want it. But that's, I want it now. That's Todd McFarlane. I think the reason yeah, his the reason his Spider-Man is still so popular is that you got a little bit of meat in him because it's Spider-Man. Like Spawn, there's not, there's really nothing there. Spider Man, at least, there's a character there. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be the base of it that still uh, stands. Yeah, so I think with this, with distribution from Diamond, it's like I don't like monopolies, so I don't mind Diamond if they go under. I obviously have no skin in the game anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like right. I don't own a store anymore, so I, uh, I would understand the frustration of like an owner being concerned about whether or not they are going to be able to kind of like manage through this. But I think that's going to be true no matter what, because it's like uh, the people aren't going to go back to regular shopping for a while, even if like this curbside service I've seen a lot of stores do, which I think is, you know, they got to do something. Right. Um, but but I think it's like uh it's it's kind of like the st- I under it's like it's like a snake eating its own tail you know the stores prop up the industry 
without the stores, the industry potentially collapses, but without new content, the industry could potentially collapse too. So it's kind of like, um, I don't really know what the right answer is. I, I, I'm glad I'm not in the business anymore. That's well, all I can say is I'm glad I don't have to make these decisions. It's interesting that you mentioned Monopoly because hanging over all of this is Amazon. And Amazon yes. owns Comixology. So really for digital, all we have to do is just say, all right, we're going digital. And Marvel and DC can turn those switches on. And Amazon just – you go from Diamond being a monopoly to Amazon being the monopoly. Amazon is also right, – Amazon's also shipping Nightmare. the – Yeah, Amazon's also shipping the graphic novels. If you want the print copies – You'll get them from Amazon. So that is going to be a monopoly. And unfortunately, the argument for small stores, and I love small stores. I really miss going to Mr. Wayne's, or if you still own the store, I would miss going to it. Um, but but the thing is, what they have going for them, the argument they made the last 10 years is, oh, we're a part of the community. We're, we're a place people can come and gather. Uh, there is no community now. We're all, we're all locked down. So... Yeah. That argument can't hold any weight. So for comic shops to survive, they have to have a different argument. And they don't. Yeah, I do think that that's part of the uh, the larger issue then. There is the, the argument to be made for stores without the community is like that. That was kind of like uh, the last thing all the stores were hitching their wagon to is you come to the stores. It's, you know we had always treated the uh, comic shop as like, it's like a bar, not a comic book store. You know, you're coming in for your quote unquote drinks. And then you're sitting there and talking to the bartender who's ever yeah. behind the counter. But the, ba the bars and, were the first uh, things to close. The bars are, are worried about staying open. Yeah. And I, and I think that's part of the larger problem. I, you know, even like, uh, yeah, I've been ordering a lot of stuff from in stock trades and they don't have anything new. And one of the books that was coming out soon that I was looking uh, forward to was there's uh, they were reprinting Frank Miller's Wolverine run in an omnibus. Oh, yeah. It's a huge and in stock trade. Yeah, it has like yeah, it's a great run. Yeah, I have the original printing of that. It has the Hulk issues. It has uh, Kitty Pride and Wolverine. It's got a couple of the Paul Smith X-Men. It's like and it has like Wolverine one to ten. It's like this compendium of the first ten years of Wolverine. It's a good right. book. And uh yeah, it's a really good book, and I, but I don't have it. I missed the first printing. So they're reprinting it, and then In Stock Trades doesn't obviously have anything new because they get their stuff from Diamond, but Amazon has it listed on Amazon. So it's like, well, fuck, I don't want to support Amazon and buy this thing. So do they have like, it? And it's obviously a lot more. Do they have they, it in, it in was stock or is it pre-ordered? It was listed uh, uh, on Amazon as like an in stock item that you could order. So I don't know if it meant you would get it um, or if they don't have it either. But then it kind of made me wonder if they do have it available. But then, like, are they not getting it from? Yeah, see, now they no, changed not, it. I just looked at it. They're not Prime getting it. delivery yeah. Monday, May 4th. So it looks like they did push it back. Right. Well, that's also their delivery, which for everybody that complains about Amazon, the the way you can break this monopoly is their prime shipping is pushed back for like a week. Some things aren't coming in for a month. Yeah. So honestly, they aren't any faster than anybody else, which is how they were beating every other website at least was like, oh, I'll have it tomorrow. All right. There were a couple of things like I ordered it like a Mezco 112 in the morning and it came that night. And uh, 
other than getting in my car and getting it, there's nobody faster. But now when they say like, it's not going to be until May, if in stock trade says it has it. Yeah. I I have no reason to not get it from in stock trades. Um, the, the frustrating thing I found is you go on Amazon and it's got this notice, um, uh, because of COVID-19, we're prioritizing certain items, and then we're not prioritizing certain items. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it. I can't get the Wolverine Omnibus for a couple of weeks. But then I tried to get face masks, and they were like, ah, two weeks. I'm like, what are you prioritizing? Right. Because apparently we're <laughs> Makes all you supposed- wonder. Yeah, we're all supposed to have face masks. And what I love, I was on Big Bed Toy Store this week, which again, if you if you're looking to get toys, just go to Big Bad Toy Store. It'll take two weeks, but Amazon will too. Um, but they have a bunch of face masks, and they have, uh, I believe, Concept One is the company, but they have like Spider-Man from the nose down to the chest, or like Batman's Bruce Wayne face, or like a Green Hulk bottom of the face. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's something I would want. And then they all say shipping in June, and I'm like, by June we might be ready to go back. Right. And then, but then I go to Amazon and Amazon's like, ah, here's a black one, two weeks. Right. So, yeah, I think it's like, uh, it's so hard to want to, you know, it's like I, I moved away from regular stores and I went to uh, still a comic book store. It's a digital store, but it's still a store. I don't want to go to Amazon. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, this guy's not even paying t- two weeks paid leave to people who get sick there. So, you know, it's like I can't really justify giving him any money. No, I agree. I, I love in-stock trades. Sometimes they take a little while with shipping, but man, stuff is 50% off and free shipping over right. 50 bucks. Discount. Yeah. yeah. Any, and, any hardcover you buy is going to be 50 bucks, you know? Pretty pretty much. I mean, there's a couple of like $25 ones because they're short, but then I just throw in another one. I almost, uh, yeah. honestly, I almost bought something from them this week. Oh, they had Legends of the Batman Marv Wolfman. The Wolfman. They had his Batman run. Uh, and I was like, oh, maybe I need a hardcover of that Batman run. And then part of me was like, do I need a hardcover? I mean, I could just pick up my iPad. So I I, right. I have not been buying that much, which is good and bad. It's it's capitalism is terrible. <laughs> we're le- we're learning all the bad things about capitalism now, but like the way we're made to feel guilty for not spending money. Is like, no, but isn't it bad for me to spend a lot of money on crap I don't need? But then you realize our entire culture is based on that. And all the things that we love are crying that they might die because we're not spending money on it. Because we're buying food. Right. And I I think that's kind of like, you know, why I'm not against and, you know, uh, haters, I'm sure, are going to be pissed. But it's just like. I do think if DC is going to start publishing books digitally, yeah, it sucks that they're going to go on Comixology. It's like this might be a good time for DC to double down on their app, uh, just release them on their app. But Although the com- uh, Comixology runs their app. Marvel. Too. Oh yeah, so I guess there's really fucking no way of getting around it. No, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, it just sucks it's gonna, and it's going to boost Amazon. That's the benefit because the last couple of years I've been redeeming Marvel's digital codes in the monthlies. Because I couldn't bear to give up Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, and then I would go to Marvel, check in the app, and go to Comixology. And lo and behold, there it is in my Comixology. Which I love yeah. because it's a centralized library. 
you know, right. it's one of the it's one of the reasons I buy movies on iTunes. Because I, I can go to like one that, place that has everything that I have. It's just very clear looking at this that it's just like Amazon is too big. It's clearly a monopoly. <laughs> like oh, it clearly, shouldn't yeah. exist. Yeah, and it I should just. Like, um, I'm okay with it existing if it treated the people that work for it better. Right. Yeah. I mean, that would be a great start. I, I had read an article. Um, they were talking about when this all ends, there's going to be three uh, stores left and it's going to be Walmart. It's going to be Amazon and it's going to be Costco and everything else will close. And any specialty stores are going to be swallowed up by those three like entities, you know, and maybe that's what will happen to comic books. Maybe comic books will only be available on Comixology and that will only be available on Amazon, you know? I mean, we've been saying for years, and by we, I don't just mean you and I on this podcast. We've been saying for years that the the monthly is is dead and that the way to go is graphic novels and just once a year you get Spider-Man that's 200 pages because that's that's what's selling and it's like, all right, that you put on Amazon, and that you sell the comicsology, and that's. I think there will always be, there will always be stories that are drawn in two D and not animated. There'll always be a place for that. Uh, it's just too cheap to make compared to animation and television and live action. So I think there'll always be a way for us to get that. But honestly, I mean, we don't go to the newsstand and pay a dime anymore. We're, what's the line where? Well, that's a big question. How much change do you accept? And it seems to be an age thing of like you want everything to be new and different until the point where you don't want anything to be new or different. Right. Well, I think part of it is like it's not so much how much change we accept. It's like change is here whether you want it or not. And I think that's part of it is the, uh, you know, the industry is going to go through a lot of painful changes with this. And it's, um, you know, I, I think it's like, it's just weird that like DC's ready to go. And then Marvel's like, they're kind of sitting on their hands. It's like, you guys haven't been thinking about what you should be doing. You know, right. it's like, this has been going on for weeks now. There's no end in sight. This could go way well into the summer, if not, you know, later. And what did you guys think? We'll just pause and then resume there's not going to be comic book stores in three months if they can't pay their rent, you know? Right. And I'm sure they're thinking about it. I think they haven't decided. And, it's and that's like, a you big know, what are you waiting for? difference. Yeah, they're waiting for everybody to sign off on on an idea. There's probably three or four ideas. Yeah. And there's people that are championing each. But, you know, uh, we were talking about this last week. I don't miss new comics that much. The, the comics I like, I'm like, uh, they'll come back. But I've already... We've already adapted to this. My favorite book that I was reading is Tom King's Batman. And you know what? They canceled them and then they restarted it and it's not ready to go. And then I've been waiting six months for Tom King's newest issue. And maybe I'll wait nine months and maybe I'll wait a year. But when it comes out, I'll get it. And part of that is getting older where I'm not I'm not the kid who buys one issue off the newsstand and reads it five times and can't wait to see how the cliffhanger is resolved. You know, I've read thousands of these things. I know pretty much there's only a couple of ways they resolve these things. Right. Yeah. It's a finite uh, solutions. Yeah. And I, I'm, I, I do think I miss it. I, I was, I've been talking um, with the guys who are doing this like tabletop simulator for uh, hero clicks. And I was talking with Dave about it about a week and a half ago, or maybe 
I don't know, time doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> but I was talking to Dave and we were both kind of talking about all the different comics we were reading on like a monthly basis that we're like, oh man, it's like, it would suck if we didn't get to hear the end of that story or see where it was going. You know, I think there was a lot of stuff I was looking forward to that is on pause or, you know, maybe won't be happening anymore. So I think there is a bit of me that it does miss the the weekly comics, kind of getting like your weekly fix of it. Um, you know, I yeah, have- I- to reading a lot of just you know other stuff stuff i haven't gotten to or rereading stuff that i've got digitally and um yeah i, I do think i miss it i think it's more of it, it's just like it's just so amorphous you know you know you don't we don't know what's gonna right. happen and i agree with uh i want to see where some of these stories are going but by the on the same token like how many stories have we read that got canceled and never got finished there came a right. point where i was like all right, I got to come to grips with it. Like everything you like gets canceled at one point. Right. And you start to learn to let go. I mean, there's, um, you know, there's people that still want to see Firefly come back. And I'm like, right. yeah, it was, it was a good show. You got 13 episodes in a movie. You're not going to get any more. And right. like find something else that's cool. Find something old that's cool. With that, I think this is, we're going to go back into our ongoing series. Where are you on Star Trek The Next Generation? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> I'm further than I was last time. I think last time we talked, um, I was coming up on the episode where they go to like the naked people planet with all the white people. Yes. And now I'm looking at the Netflix watch history I've got up. And uh, the last episode I watched was episode 22. So you've almost finished season one. Uh, Yeah, it looks like three more episodes to go on season one. Uh, Have you watched? Did you watch Skin of Evil? uh let's see the black tar monster i just watched that one uh, okay because that's the main thing that happens in that season one yeah so spoiler alert for a 32 year old <laughs> series or whatever it is but uh, i was kind of surprised that they actually they kill off the security guard yeah denise crosby who played tasha yar yeah uh, quit the show and then so they decided to they decided to kill her off and they do it in like the first 10 minutes of that episode. Yeah. Which was crazy because they, they kill her off and then the show just keeps going. And I kind of, I actually, yeah, well, it's, it was interesting that they did it because I didn't see it coming. And then even when they killed her, yeah, I, I was just like, well, they're, they'll figure out she's not really dead by the end of this episode. I've seen enough of these to know that's how it happens (laughs) at the end of the episode. You got to kind of put everything back to how it belongs. And then they did like a funeral for her at the end, and I was like, "Wait, what? She's she's actually dead?" Yeah, there there was a great documentary on Netflix, and uh, my apologies if it is no longer on Netflix, because uh, I'll have to find where it is. But it's called Chaos on the Bridge, and they talk about it's about the first season of Next Generation and how big a mess it was, where like Gene Roddenberry thought that his this was his big comeback because the movies stopped listening to him after the first movie and he he never owned star trek so this was his chance to make everything happen but he was also slowly going senile and like that's where a lot of these weird ideas come from and no one was in charge because he wasn't really he didn't really have capabilities and then like his lawyer was getting involved and uh people were weighing in on stories and then everybody ended up quitting and during all of this stress um denise crosby's like that's it i quit because there was that much stress on the on the set what makes that episode so bold is they don't even wait for the end of the fucking episode 
Right. Like you think that's the big climax. Yeah, it would go- say, that's why I guess I didn't take it seriously because it it happened in like it's like the first thing that happens. Yeah, and I was, it, up, it was very little fanfare. I was up last night. I was watching an original series episode called The Changeling, and it's an episode about a killer robot who's like wandering around the Enterprise, and they're just they're trying to be nice to it so it won't kill everybody. <laughs> but in the middle of the episode, it kills Scotty. <laughs> it's like yeah. And Bones like he's dead, Jim. And I'm like, well, it's Scotty. <laughs> and then five minutes right. later, five minutes later, the robot's like, all right, I'll fix him. And Scotty's like, what happened? <laughs> so you think it, as you said, you think it's gonna be that, and it's nope. She, they not only, it's not even the season finale. She, they like, she just quits in the middle of the season and in the middle of the episode. Right. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a little confusing, and I. Afterwards, I kind of realized, oh, I remember I had a Worf action figure and he has a yellow shirt on. And I'm like, I assume he takes her job. And I was like, that's why he's in a yellow shirt, bro. It's like he's only in a red shirt for the first, you know, 22 episodes. And then it's he's going to be the new security chief. Yeah, he gets a job. We were uh, Ben and I were just talking about that. We were watching a first we were watching a first season. He's like, why is he in a red shirt? And I'm like. Oh, yeah, because, you know, Tashiar dies, and then he gets her job. He goes, what's his job now? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> he he's like just kind of. <laughs> he's like another guy on the bridge who just reads the computer to the captain. Yeah, he seems very in the way. <laughs> yeah. And the story well, that's was. The other thing that's weird this season is to see. Uh, I can't remember what episode it was, but the uh, the kid, the smart genius kid. Oh, Wesley. He's got it like something figured out. Every episode is like uh, Wesley figures out ahead of time what's really going on. And then everyone in the crew is just telling Wesley to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like this kid. You, and then this is like after an episode where like a, a future genius alien person told Picard that like Wesley is going to be some major brilliant captain in the future and they need to foster his intelligence. And then like two episodes later, Picard's just like, shut up, Wesley. And it's yeah. like. Dude, remember the big goofy alien that just told you this dude's important? What are you doing? Well, just because someone is smart doesn't mean they're likable. I guess. He doesn't even seem that unlikable. He's just a a genuinely helpful kid. Oh, Ben hates him. He's like, oh, that Wesley. It's weird. Ben (laughs) Ben hates Wesley. Sebastian loves Wesley. Yeah. I wonder what that's all about. Sebastian will get the Wesley figure and he's like, I want the kid. I want to be Wesley. And then and Ben just like I just can't. maybe it's an age thing because we're talking about six and twelve. It's like, uh, you know, so Sebastian is looking up to the older kid, uh, you know, wanting to be in that kid's shoes, and Ben's looking up to like Riker and being like, no, I want to be Riker. I want to be Picard. This kid's a you know a sidekick. Yeah, it's it's why people either well, you know what, Ben uh, Sebastian likes Robin more than Batman. Yeah, he sees himself in it. And I will say, I've said this many times, I've met Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton is awesome. Yeah. Even Will Wheaton finds Wesley annoying. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. uh, So a lot is going to change in season two. And uh, yes, I was talking to Ken. Uh, Ken's a buddy of mine. Uh, We've been, uh, geez, friends for 15 years or something insane like this. 
Mm-hmm. And he's a massive Star Trek fan and uh, uh, the next generation specifically and was saying he's like, if you've gotten this kind of far through season one, he's like season two, it kind of kicks in a different gear. It's a lot better. And then, yeah, yeah everything yeah. pretty much after that is golden. So that's the stuff I'm excited to get to. Yeah. Um, is he really proud this? Or I'll probably make it all the way. Oh, you'll make it all the way because it's just going to get better and better. It's going to get easier and easier to watch. And as we're seeing, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I have in, no expectations in a, that the uh, the quarantine's gonna end anytime soon. So um, I'm happy for the content. <laughs> yeah, in Illinois, JB Pritzker, our governor, just extended uh, stay at home order till June. So you've got another month of Star Trek. Month I'm in five days. Yeah, I'm I'm in season five of Deep Space Nine now. I'm yeah, gonna now, watch that whole series again. Yeah, you mentioned that show last week, and you know we'll see how far it can get under quarantine on the next gen. But that might be something to check out. The uh, kind of when this is over. Yeah, I definitely recommend it if you're still on a Star Trek high, um, which I've been, and I I was watching so many Next Generations, but I was jumping around. That I was like, you know what, Deep Space Nine, I can watch from beginning to end, and it starts. I think it's season six of Next Gen. So there's um, every now and then it'll mention it'll mention like continuity, but they're not very tied together. Yeah. You can you can very easily finish all of Next Gen and then start Deep Space Nine and be and be like, oh yeah, this is when that ha- this happened. In fact, uh, Patrick Stewart is in the pilot of Deep Space Nine. Oh, that's cool. Where he's like he assigns Cisco to the station. Yeah. Which I is do. what's that? It's really cool because Cisco really hates Picard. <laughs> like to the I point where it's just the um the movies fit in. Um, but then I, I I'm curious if I can skip the really bad movies. Uh, yeah, no, I think um, yeah, it's t- generations. I think is important, and you get uh, it's not that good, but you get to see Kirk meet Picard. Yeah, and then uh, first contact is amazing. Uh, it's in my top ten movies. Insurrection isn't that bad. It's kind of like a boring episode. It was like, it's okay, but I was like, really, this needed to be a movie. This should have been an episode. And then Nemesis is terrible, but Nemesis ties into a bunch of stuff in Picard. So nah, there's four movies. See them all. Ugh, we'll see. <laughs> no promises. Um. Yeah. The bad ones aren't that bad. Nothing, nothing is quite as bad as like the the odd. Well, one and five are the worst. One is boring. Five is awful. Five is the one where they let Shatner direct. Yeah, it's bad. None of the next gen movies are that bad. In fact, Bill and I used to have a debate. There is. I may rerun some of these. Now, when go ahead. No, no, you go. <laughs> All right. This is where the podcast is ending. Um, the first podcast we did, I mentioned this a few times, and I've threatened to put these out, was uh, we did audio commentaries of audio commentaries, and I actually did yeah. Star Trek V with Mike Drucker and Bill Monroe, who's been on the show. Okay. And we have this – Bill and I have this ongoing debate about what is worse, Star Trek Nemesis or Star Trek V, and we've never quite okay. agreed. So – at its worst, the next gen is not any worse than the original movies. I'm also finding the, I want okay. All, it's not worse than letting Shatner direct. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's bad. It's so bad. They get so in generations. Does the is there time travel or is like Kirk still alive when Picard's running around on the Enterprise? There's like a dimensional portal time travel thing. It's kind of it's kind of weird and it's it it's kind of hard to wrap your head around it. It's one of the reasons that movie's not great. Where you're like, wait, yeah. what is this thing? Yeah, I think like, it'd be like, like the thrill of being together is cool, but then it's like, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. isn't exactly great. Yeah, the original poster they said was going to be like the poster was both Enterprises shooting at each other. And I'm like, oh, I want to see that. They also wanted to have uh, Leonard Nimoy. They wanted to have Leonard Nimoy direct it. He said no. They wanted to have Spock and McCoy come back. They said no. So it was going to be at one point it was going to be like a half and half movie and everybody was going to be in it. But it ends up being Kirk and Picard. Yeah. But a bunch of stuff does happen in it that pays off the series. There's like a couple of things okay. you're waiting to happen in the series, and it happens in that movie. So you're like, eh, fine. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, but, I'll look up where the movies fall in in terms of like the series. So it's like, uh, you know, it's close to how it would have been viewed in the day, you know? Yeah, they're all after. The um, All of them are after, and there's a couple oh, times. Oh, all of the movies take place after the seventh season? Yeah. Yeah, that's why they canceled the show. The show was doing so well that they were like, you know what? The original cast is getting old. Um, let's ca- let's end the next generation because it's getting expensive. Uh, they'll be the movie guys, and then we'll keep Deep Space Nine and Voyager on, and those will be the shows. So the first movie is the first movie is right after the last episode. In fact, the cast said they had the weekend off, like they finished the series oh, on a Friday, wow. started the movie on Monday. That's wild. Yeah. So it goes it goes right from TV to movies. How are you? Are you enjoying it more? Uh, no, I think it's kind of the same. It's it's like uh, the the stuff I like is all in there. The you know uh, you know ship team, away team, philosophical uh, issues that get resolved very quickly, and then uh, kind of like all the interpersonal relationships. So it's more of that is kind of kind of always be welcome. But the episodes are still kind of hokey. You know what I mean? Yeah. The effects are they're okay. <laughs> you know, it's like the ooze monster that like crawled across the ground. It's like it's cool, I guess. But it's very it, what's kind of nice about it. I didn't realize this until there was an episode where they were fighting like a machine that programmed like a death robot that like flew oh, around yeah. and, like, firing it. Yeah, it was like a phantasm. And it, what oh. I realized is like is it's like they have really cool ideas for the episode and then it's them the tv producers or whoever figuring out is like how cheaply can we do you know this 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 idea because it's very much like okay we'll put the crew in the woods and we'll have the same robot on a stick flying around in the background and it's kind of like um they're charming for their simplicity you know what i mean yeah, although don't forget it's 1987 when I when it was on. Right. When it was on, it looked good because your expectations for television were so low. I mean, honestly, I I think right. it's the last 10 years where things like Game of Thrones are probably where where you go, yeah, this is a movie, The Mandalorian, you know, or Picard. That I was right. like, yeah, if you made That's- a movie, it wouldn't look much better than this. Back then, I I was right. so impressed because it wasn't the original series. 
Right. Yeah, I and like, I think I am familiar enough with like the original series, seeing it on the like the background at the store. So I've seen enough of it to know like we've kind of come a long way. It's just it makes it hard, I think, when you didn't grow up with this stuff to then go yeah. back and then try to get into it. You know, like I liked Batman um the Adam West show when I was a kid because I watched it when I was a kid. And it's like those are still kind of fun to watch every now and again. Um, but I don't know that I'd be into them now. I don't know that I could get into it now because the because they're kind of like so far removed from culture as a whole, you know. Um, nobody's streaming it, or I would tell you to watch it now. It's better now. Like once you is it? Yeah, I bought the Blu-rays when they came out, and so I've watched the whole series a couple of times. Once you really get into the fact that they're making fun of the whole thing, and it it's re- and as an adult, it's really obvious. Batman, you you go through this arc as a kid where the Adam West Batman, anyway, is when you're like four or five, you take it seriously. Where you're like, oh my god, yeah. the Joker's really gonna pour boiling hot water on Batman in a giant teacup. Um, I had nightmares. Right, right. I had nightmares from the original Batman. There, there's one episode where yeah. he was gonna be eaten by a giant clam, and I didn't see the second yeah, part. And I had back to the giant clam. Is what I remember. Yeah, I had nightmares about that clam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then you get older and you're like, this is stupid. And then, but you still don't get it. Because when I was in, when I was in high school, they re-ran it because I was in high school when the Tim Burton movie came out. And it was so apples and oranges at the time that everybody was like, oh, I'm not watching the Adam West show again. It's so stupid. And I'm like, no, nah, I still kind of like it because I like anything Batman. Yeah. And then, and then once you take it out of the Star Trek category, once you stop thinking it's it's an action show from the 60s and you start thinking that it's a sitcom, it's a genius sitcom where you're like, oh, my God, they yeah, made think- all this. And it was on against, like, Get Smarter, the Munsters. You put it in that category. Right. It's incredible. Yeah, I definitely think it's something where it's, it's more the Munsters than it is Star Trek, you know, and I think it's right. like thinking of that context of works. Um, I it, also it, yeah, when you, it is what it is. There was a couple of times I watched it. I was like, all right, that's a joke. That's not something that what they just said was not something that I could take the wrong way or it was done in a silly way. They wrote a fucking joke and they put that fucking joke in this episode. Yeah, it's a sitcom. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's deliberate. Yeah. Uh, no, it's still really good. Um, although I was watching original Star Trek last night and it's. I'm getting old. I mean, we're all getting older, but it's like you um it's getting tougher to watch. I I love the original Star yeah. Trek, but it's like it's like watching the Twilight Zone now where the Twilight Zone feels like something the characters on Mad Men would watch. And it's really good. It's well written and it's well shot and it's got great cast, but it's not speaking to us anymore. It's 50 years old. And I'm getting that way with yeah. the original I'm getting that way with the original series. I mean, you and I have talked about this. It, the original series, to me, is starting to feel like reading a Silver Age Marvel. It's like, oh, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, this is where it came from. This is really cool. Look at the way he drew this. But it's not affecting me the way, like, Tom King's Batman would. Because it's not written for my – it's not written for our experience anymore. Right. Yeah, I will say I'm uh, – yeah, I'm still kind of working my way through um, – the Amazing Spider-Man omnibus, the Ditko one, and um, I never really cared for Ditko. 
Um, I, I thought he came up with really goofy, awesome stuff in terms of like character designs or like I read his Doctor Strange last year and I really enjoyed it in terms of like it was really trippy looking. Um, and uh, yeah, I got to say, it's like the the single issues, the stories aren't great. I mean, they're very basic. I do like kind of seeing where everything comes from in a like historical sense. But I got to say uh, the art, I am starting to dig a lot more. And I think anytime I'm reading older comics, especially Silver Age Marvel, it's always art based, not story based. It's like, oh, man, I wish I had an, an infinite number of John Bishema Avengers issues to read when you only have a small amount and you'll never have any more. That's um, interesting because, you know, old dead old Kirby. That's interesting for me coming from a writer's background. Uh, it's continuity more than it's story or art. Where it's like, oh, this is where that character came from. This is where this trope came from. Oh, let's read the first time mm. the Sandman appeared. Who was he? And how does how does this character change later on? That that I'm like, oh, and this is right. how Ditko was drawing it. I and I agree with you. I'm more of a Ramita fan than a Ditko fan. I think Ramita was the missing ingredient. Ramita, as you always put it, was like Captain America joining the Avengers. It was pretty good, but it was right. missing. You didn't know what it was missing when until it, it was there. When it shined, it shined. Yeah, or Danny DeVito yeah, on Always Sunny. Uh, I, right, yeah, he's he's the Captain America, those dumbasses. <laughs> I do, uh, I do, I have the, I think it's up to four now. I think the Spider-Man uh, omnibuses go up to four, and there is yeah. a lot of that Ramita stuff I never read. I read a lot of the Milestone books, you know, the Death of the Green Goblin, Death of Gwen Stacy, things like this, but... Um, I do kind of want to just keep going with it and then get into like the Gil Kane stuff. A lot of that stuff I've never read. So I think it's part archaeology and part like, um, you know, historical. Oh, here's the first, um, you know, or the second appearance of Mysterio, you know, or whatever it is. It's it's interesting to kind of see that stuff. Um, but I they're, they're hard books to recommend. You know what I mean? It's like I uh, after Steve Ditko died, my sister, um, she wanted to read uh Ditko stuff because she had never really read any of his stuff and I said well I've got a Doctor Strange book and I've got a Spider-Man book which one do you want to borrow and she said well I'll take Spider-Man and she gave it back to me like eight or nine months later and I asked her I was like well, did you like it did you read it and she was like ah, they're really hard to read she's like I think I mostly just flipped through it because the the they're so they're so hard to read those books yeah you know you really do have to kind of be in I think in a specific mind frame or um, it's, it's like, um, my buddy always asks me for comic book recommendations and he asked me, he's like, what are some of your favorite, you know, uh, comic stories of all time? And I was just kind of going through the list. And one of the books I really like, it's one of my favorite graphic novels ever is, uh, Earth X. And he's like, well, do you, do you think I'd like it? And I'm like, no, <laughs> because it's like Earth X is such a deep dive into Marvel history and mythology and, you know, kind of scraping all this stuff up. And it's I don't I don't think it's like something like a fly by night like comic fan is going to enjoy. I think no, you really do kind of have to be a fan of like the whole Marvel universe. It's deep in it actually reminds me I was talking to Joe Fransom this week and we were talking about what we're into and stuff that I've been talking about on the show. And I said, yeah, I've been watching Deep Space Nine again. And I was like, man, I forgot how good it was. It's so good. He's like, yeah, it really is good. And I said, I said, yeah, it's it's great, but it's X Factor where it's a really yeah. good show, but it assumes you understand that whole universe. I would never I would never tell anybody, even though I think it's the best written show, I think it's a 
by the end of it, it's better written than Next Generation ever was. I wouldn't tell you, oh, watch Deep Space Nine, because, like, it doesn't let you in at all. Like, with X Factor, it's right. like, no you one... You kind of push your way in. Yeah, nobody buys X Factor who isn't already buying X-Men. You know? Right. Uh, and the sales bear that out, and it's like, Deep Space Nine was like that. It's like, they're not going to take any time to explain what the Klingons are, or the Federation, or... Warp speed or anything, you're just in it. And because of that, just like X-Men, especially in the 90s, you can go really deep into stuff because you have the time where you're like, all right, let's talk about the Klingons again. You're like, well, I've known the Klingons for 20 years, so I bring all that baggage, but here's a new twist. It was like in the 90s every now and then, it'd be like, let's do a new story with Nightcrawler. And you're like, oh, okay, I can unpack everything I already have. Earth-X is the perfect example of that because it's like, let's take everything you know about comics and twist it around. But if you don't know anything about comics, you're not you don't oh, you don't yeah, know where it starts to get twisted from. Yeah, the barrier to entry uh, for comics, I think, is is pretty big. And then I think the deeper into comics you go, the 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 the, the, the larger the barrier is. You know, yeah. it's like you really do have to be pretty deep into to comics to understand. Like I read Earth X in high school and I hated it because I thought it was supposed to be Kingdom Come for Marvel, mm-hmm. and it's much longer and it's much more in depth. And you read it and then you're just like, oh, no, this is like a history of the Marvel Universe from like where we were to where we are. And then how does it all tie together? And, um, yeah, it's not a book uh, I enjoyed until I had read many more, um, you know, classic stories and kind of researching all the characters and stuff. It's a deep dive. You know? Yeah, I, w- I was like that with Watchmen. It was um, my my dad did the wrong thing <laughs> with Watchmen looking back. He knocked on my door, and uh, I opened my door, and he gave me a hardcover edition of Watchmen, and he said, uh, the book club recommended this, and it's a comic. Here. And I was like, all right, I've heard good things, and I was not prepared for what Watchmen would do to me. Yeah. And it took me years to understand. There was a, a few years where it sat on my shelf, and I'm like, I've read that book. <laughs> and then I'd walk away from it, and it wasn't right. – to later, I mean, now I'm like, yeah, it's one of the greatest books ever, ever written in the medium. I don't know that we'll ever match it. It's just so huge and sprawling. Right. It's, it's the first epic novel in comics. But, man, you, you got to be in a certain mind frame to take it. Yeah, I do think there is a, a maturity level to it. Uh, you know, I did the same thing. I read Watchmen in high school and yeah. I was like, this is garbage. Yeah, I was like, book. yeah, and I was like 14, 15. You know, I was like years later. I was like, I'm just getting used to these characters. Wait, they hate each other. Wait, they die. Right. It was very. It's, yeah, I think there's clearly some stuff that's for a uh, more sophisticated audience. And um, yeah, those are yeah. two books specifically that I. I don't know that you could recommend to to a to an um, you know new reader that it maybe isn't familiar with the medium or some of the certain tropes that kind of go along with it. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm enjoying Star Trek so much now. And and I don't know if you're finding this the case, but it's so accessible compared to modern shows. I mean, it's both bingeable and easy to do one-offs. I don't have to make the commitment of like, all right, here we go this season. I feel like I've been recommended like four shows on HBO that I'm like, 
I'm not going to have time to do that. It's, I'm like, Succession? Nah, I can't do Succession. The Outsider, where am I going to find 13 hours? But in those 13 hours, right. I can throw on 13 Star Treks and be like, oh, yeah. yeah. It also helps that I've seen them where, like, I can be working and look up and be like, oh, yeah, this is the one where, like, Odo gets split into two Odos, which never happens, but it's very much something that would. And then I can go back to work and 20 yeah, minutes later, right. I'm like, oh, he's still two Odos. <laughs> Still haven't um, figured it out. I can't. New shows, you have to stop what you're doing and pay attention. I mean, I am adoring Better yeah. Call Saul, but man, when it came on, and they just finished season five, um, seasons one to four, I think, are on Netflix. I recommend it to everyone after they finish Breaking Bad, but when that show starts, you stop. Yeah, and old television was. Yeah, not- it doesn't seem like a show you're watching without. Um- uh, lots of time devoted to it. And I think that's, you know, obviously the quantity of Star Trek episodes are so much more, but I do think it's easy to watch an episode and, you know, you don't have to worry about any continuity from episode to episode. There's no cliffhanger episodes for the most part. They're right. all self-contained. You can kind of not pay attention to them. You know, it's like you some will episodes get into, are kind of just had on the background. As you go on, you'll get into some two-parters with Next Gen. A lot of them are season finales and season premieres, but nothing too heavy. And right. then, when characters come back, they'll be like, oh, well, since I was last on the Enterprise, this happened. And it's the dialogue equivalent of an asterisk in a Marvel comic. But, yeah, it's not asking oh, right. too much of you. Uh, D-Space Nine gets into much longer story arcs. But even then, it's just like, oh, there's all this stuff's going on, but this episode's about baseball and the holodeck. <laughs> that, right. They're like, and we're just— mind the longer— episode continuity too you know it's like that kind of stuff will be pretty cool to get into um it's a good way to ease into it at this point right whereas with like the netflix marvel we always complained we're like oh that season was 13 episodes and it should have been nine there was one episode where nothing happened definitely and it's like yeah yeah and i think some of that stuff is really good but it I don't know how quickly I'd go back to watch like Daredevil season one because I know there's you know four episodes that are pointless you know Right. Well, the other thing is, uh, I'm not going to go back to Daredevil season one because I've got to make the commitment to watch all of Daredevil season one. I can't just go, this is my favorite episode of Daredevil. I'm going to put it on and watch it for an hour. Right. And then I I'm going to turn off Daredevil. Yeah. And Star Trek's still good about that. I mean, the thing too is that knowing it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh, this is, they'll never make more of these. Yeah. But it's, uh, season three was good. I was like, yeah, that's enough of that. And I'm fine with like, okay, that's enough of that. I don't need more of those. Uh, but right. But yeah, I, I'm, as much as I loved Picard and Picard's gotten you into next gen, I'm not going to pick out episode four of Picard to watch. And even though there are moments I love right. where I'm like, oh, there's that one episode where they go to like that casino world and they dress up in crazy hats. I'm like, yeah, it's a great episode. But- yeah. But it pulls in a bunch of subplots and then it drops off a bunch of subplots. I'm not going to watch right. it by itself. Whereas, like every now and then, I'll put on. Actually, uh, from what you've seen, I put on uh, the last outpost a couple weeks ago. I was like, I said to Ben, "You want to see the first Ferengis? <laughs> they oh, jump they're terrible. Around, they're terrible. They jump around a rock and go. Aah! They're so bad. But man, I'm season five in D Space Nine, and I love the Ferengis. Deep Space Nine did so much with that culture. It's great. They get yeah. into they they really have fun on Deep Space Nine, like talking about the Klingon homeworld and their culture that everything is based on money. 
Like when they die, they have themselves cut up and sold at auction instead of buried. <laughs> um, when in the afterlife, this is what episode of Quark's like, I can't be dead. If I was in the afterlife, I'd be bribing St. Peter. Let me in. <laughs> it's like every single thing is about money. That's and excellent. And in that episode, Ben was like, wait, but if they're dead, how would they have money? I'm like, because it's Ferengi heaven. It's full of money. <laughs> they have right. so, so much fun with those characters. You're not going to get that on next gen. They're going to suck. <laughs> yeah. They, um, I think they've shown up twice, maybe three times and they're terrible. <laughs> it's yeah, like, really. it's an interesting concept for like a group of jerk aliens is that they're obsessed with money. Um, you know, but it's like, uh, yeah, I am not, uh, I wouldn't say they're my favorites. Now, although the, the best news about that is when season two comes around, they go, all right, the Ferengi didn't work. Uh, we need another new villain. So they create the Borg and that's, we have the Borg because oh, the Ferengi nice. didn't work because they were like, we need something tougher that's than awesome. Ferengi. And then the Ferengi become comic relief. And as I said, D space nine does a lot for them. So I'm, I, if Which any, is interesting because it looked like they were introduced as comic relief. It's like they didn't, you know. I've never seen such weird choices. Like being comic fans, they do that buildup where they're like, oh, this new villain is coming. Like there's a couple of episodes where they're like, well, if the Ferengi landed on this planet and you have this buildup, almost that cliche in comics where – Spider-Man fights the scorpion and at the end the scorpion gets beaten and there's a guy in the shadows who was like, you failed. I'll have to get involved myself. And you're like, Ooh, who's that guy? They're doing that now with, right. the, with the characters it's called the outcast or the character looks with in a hood and made of worms. They've been doing it for 40 issues, but they do that with a variety. Right. <laughs> and then they just make all these choices, like make them short, make them jump around. Right. Yeah. It's like make them these scrawny little guys, yeah. you know, make them cowardly. It's just, it's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Although yeah, now it was a weird choice. Uh, it was very much reminiscent of like the uh, the, the introduction of like Mary Jane. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> she's like, oh, you know, Anna Watson's niece, Anna Watson's niece. And then you're like, well, what's she going to look like? <laughs> you know, although Ramita pulled that off. You're like, oh, yeah, she's really hot. Yeah. Nailed it. I'm not Which is interesting. It. I would love to have seen what Didco would have done with it. Uh, not as much. You know, would... just to see what he had in mind. Yeah, because Ditko did Gwen Stacy. And honestly, it's not till Ramita redesigned her with the beret that she started to look like. Ramita said, too, that he wanted to make them Betty and Veronica. And that's his soap opera background because he was doing a lot of soap opera comics. Right. I think that's what pushes yeah, Spider-Man over the, the edge. Yeah, because like Ditko is all lonely yeah. and brooding. You get Betty Brant with Ditko. You yeah. get Mary Jane Watson with Romita. Right. Did um so no, I remember reading Ditko walked off Spider-Man because he didn't agree that Norman Osborne should be the Green Goblin. Yeah. Apparently right? from what I've heard, that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. So it's not like Ditko's like, I yeah. love throwing Spider-Man. Norman Osborne, screw you. <laughs> I think it Right. Um, yeah. But you know, if you listen to stories about Kirby, like Stan could be a bit much. And I, I think, but yeah, I, think I mean, that I've was, seen interviews with Stan, so I can imagine. Imagine living with that. Right. Okay, it would be true, exhausting. Like, okay, true believer, I'm hungover, Stan. Right. <laughs> Go bring me a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> um, but did Ditko, 
Uh, did Ditko ever say, or was there, a, has anyone talked about, is there, well, was there somebody he had in mind for the Goblin, or was it just supposed to be like he a gangster? Wa- he wanted the Goblin to be a new character. He wa- he said it's not realistic oh, okay. for this major villain to be somebody that Peter would know. That doesn't make any sense. So let's just unmask yeah. him and create a character. And Stan's like, nah, it's not as dramatic. And he's right. Uh, they're both right. It's less realistic. It's more dramatic. And then Ditko was just like, right. yeah, was like, I had it. But I mean, you look at yeah. again, look at the stuff that Kirby and Ditko did on their own. You know, uh, they did a lot of oddball characters that mostly exist because people know they did them. I mean, does you know the right. only reason people care about the new gods is because they're Kirby. They look very Kirby. Why do we still look? Why yeah. do we still see the creeper or the question? It's only because of Ditko. There's a million characters, right? That spot yeah i think it's a great thing to think about is like uh yeah the you know all the new god stuff it's like had that been been created by you know any one of the countless unknowable comic book artists that no one remembers we wouldn't give a shit about them but yeah it's absolutely because they were created by jack kirby yeah without stanley you get the new gods with stanley you get the fantastic four you know without stanley you get the creeper with stanley you get spider-man i as I can understand what the controversy around Stan and there's a lot of Kirby diehards that don't like Stan at all, but you can't, they're Lennon and McCartney. I mean, if you listen to John Lennon's first solo album and Paul McCartney's first solo album, you realize exactly what each one of them brought to the Beatles and you realize what each one, what each one of them lacks. And you also realize why the Beatles are better than John Lennon or Paul McCartney solo. Yeah. I mean, I just, I do think it is that, um, you know, unknowable, undefinable alchemy that kind of brings the the magic. Um, yeah, I, I, and I, I, I think you can be in somebody's camp. You know, I think Jack Kirby got screwed over, but I don't think Jack oh, Kirby definitely. would have done all that stuff without Stanley. Yeah, Jack Kirby didn't do it. Al- neither of them did it alone. Right. So, uh. To wrap up, we're at an hour. Is, was there anything else new that you've gotten into, or or are you, is it all been Star Trek and omnibuses? Just Star Trek and omnibuses at this point. I uh, we haven't really had too much else going on. There's not much else to do, so right. you know we're kind of limited in our options. Um, yeah, I mean I've been reading uh, a couple of the same omnibuses, just kind of working my way through them, uh, watching a lot of Star Trek um exercising eating healthier than i've ever eaten you know yeah again we're in opposite camps i've been drinking beer and eating donuts and like telling myself yeah. I'll, I'll run tomorrow it's like <laughs> right i wish well, it's i hard because you, I when you have an amount tomorrow yeah yeah it's been uh yeah it's a, it's been intense <laughs> for the uh the lockdown began we when they announced the stay at home order, we went to Benny's and we, we probably spent between the three of us, you know, a hundred dollars or $120 on alcohol. And then, you know, we drank the beer, you know, the, some of the hard liquor still laying around, but it's like, none of us have been drinking anything basically for like two or three weeks now. It's like, we're not, um, you know, we, we thought we would just be getting drunk and like drinking during the day, you know, I'm at like work on a Skype call or a zoom call and be, yeah. you know, drinking off camera, but it's like, uh, no, it's just, I've been eating salads. Wow. Yeah. I envy you. No, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, the other thing I've been doing uh, will be a podcast is Howie Weingarten and I are watching every Christopher Lee Dracula movie, which you can get on iTunes for like five bucks. They're pretty easy to get. Um, but that's I'm having a lot of feelings about that. I think I'm going to have to get him on the podcast to talk those through. And then yeah, that fuck and that. Fuck, yeah. And that motherfucking spawn figure. I'm like, oh, I'll have to get that. Maybe I'll reread my old spawns again. <laughs> Yeah, you might as well. You got the time, you know. <laughs> Fucking spawn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how can people reach you during the week? Uh, you can find me during the week on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan. Uh, it's all one word. You can find the show on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And you can find me at Not In My Book on Instagram and Twitter. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social network feed. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Caffeinated Comics for all the news that is actually happening. And as Stephen said, you can subscribe to the podcast or you can go right to the radiomisfits.com. We are proud members of the Radio Misfits podcast network. Just click on the lifestyle tab and we're like three or four in there. I'm going to be checking in with other people, seeing how they're doing and seeing how you're doing. Let us know and we'll talk to you next week.